0: Hello and welcome to Knowing Me, Knowing UKSG, a podcast exploring journeys in scholarly communications. In each episode, we hear from someone inspiring from the knowledge community and ask them to tell us about their career journey and what has motivated them along the way.
1: Hello and welcome to this UKSG podcast. I'm Josh Sendall and today I'm joined by Sarah Pittaway. Sarah is the Director of Library and Learning Resources at Birmingham City University. Previously, she was Head of Libraries at the University of Gloucestershire and Head of Library Academic Engagement at the Hive in Worcester, Europe's first integrated public and university library. She's a Senior Fellow of the Higher Education Academy and holds a PhD in Medieval Studies. She initially explored the prospect of an academic career prior to embracing life as a librarian. She currently sits on the Mercy and Collaboration Steering Group and the Scotland Horizon Strategy Group, and has previously been involved with UKSG as part of the Outreach and Engagement Committee and as our webinars officer. She is currently involved in setting up a new library impact group with a few colleagues from across the sector. Sarah, I'm so glad you could be with us today.
0: Thanks, Josh. I'm really pleased to be having this conversation.
1: Wonderful. So, my first question for you today, Sarah, can you tell me a little bit more about your role and what it involves?
0: It feels very much like being interviewed, this. Um, so, <laughs> I, as you said, I'm Director of Library and Learning Resources at BCU. I've been in post since March of this year, so still relatively new in post, although in some ways it feels like I've been here for ages um we're probably worth saying we're not a converged service at bcu so i'm responsible for libraries and spaces but i don't have anything like study skills or e-learning or it in my remit as as some other colleagues will and then how to describe the role um i think being a director is is, it's an interesting experience because it means you can spend one day coming up with really, you know, highfalutin plans uh, for building refurbishments and building works and improving the student experience and, you know, really overhauling things. And then the next day, you can spend an entire morning working out uh, responses to emails about lockers or toilets or something quite, it feels quite small, but is obviously quite important to the people raising it. And I think in it, there was an earlier one of these podcasts where Andrew Barker gave what I thought was a really good breakdown of what it means to be a director and what the role entails. And I'm, I'm going to kind of paraphrase that because I thought he summed it up really well. So there's one part of my role, the first part, is around the kind of library facing piece. It's, it's setting the library uh, strategy, the vision, the goals, um, bringing the library team with me in that vision. and and setting a culture in which people feel supported and and proud to work for our department. The second bit of my role is more around contributing to the running of the university more widely. So that's working with executive, academic colleagues, professional service directors. Um, That might be through the formal governance mechanisms that we have. So learning and teaching committees, research committees, or indeed through a myriad of other things you get asked to do so that might be mentoring that might be HR cases it might be working groups around access and participation or space oversight a whole range of things Um, and that actually all links back to the first bit the library facing piece because it helps us hook what the library is doing with what the university is doing and making sure that our strategic goals kind of dovetail to deliver the university's objectives and support student success which is what we're here for ultimately and then the third bit of the role is around sector engagement Um, because libraries and librarians we are not operating in isolation we are much much stronger when we work together and I'm sure most people listening will um We'll kind of think about the obvious stuff like negotiating sector deals with publishers. That's something obviously where we we lobby and negotiate as a sector. But there's also, I think, other work that we can do collectively together, which is probably around developing our our voice and our, I don't know, it's almost like our, our, our user service proposition, you know, about who we are, what we do and the value that we bring There's a very real danger in universities that we get kind of forgotten and overlooked that we are the building with the books in and and not really valued or noted as the partners in learning and teaching and research that we know we are. So there's a real power in us working collectively on those sorts of things. And, And to give you an example I was at a panel at the Times Higher Education Campus Live event a couple of weeks ago uh, with four other eminent uh, library directors and colleagues from across the sector. And it was exactly what we were talking about, this, this key role in working across our campuses, being at the heart of academic endeavor, I think, sadly, we were mostly talking to other librarians, but I think there were some other people in the room, and the power of five of us sitting there with that message, I think, it it was really very powerful. So, yeah, three elements to the role. They all overlap, but all equally important.
1: Thank you, Sarah. There's there's clearly a lot of variety to your role, um, and you've just helped us, the listeners, by outlining those three areas. But what is it you enjoy most about the work that you do?
0: it is the variety actually and the people and I think in particular the knowledge that I am making a difference so ultimately making a difference to our students because I do think there is something about working in higher education that you feel ultimately you are contributing to the public good Um, but also day-to-day making a difference to colleagues You know, it genuinely makes my day when someone goes out of their way to thank me for something that I've done that's made a difference for them. And and that might be as simple as, you know, I say hello to them in the morning or I've dropped some chocolates off in the office or I've acknowledged a piece of work someone's done. And if that stuff makes a difference, fantastic. It gives me such a little boost when someone says, "Oh, you know, thank you for that. I really appreciated it.
1: Yeah, that sense of purpose and connection that you've articulated is so compelling. It certainly resonates with me, and I know it will for others too. Sarah, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your career journey.
0: Yeah, buckle up. It's a journey. Um, (laughs) So I always tell people I'm an accidental librarian. Um, As you said in, in the intro, my plan was to be an academic. Um, I didn't get funding for my PhD, but at the time I was studied at the University of Birmingham and they had this very secret squirrel thing where if you worked enough hours for the university and you probably heard the quotation marks around enough, um, but you'd get seriously reduced fees and it wasn't advertised, it's word of mouth, you had to know someone who knew and so on. So I'd done a bit of evening work in um, Barbara Institute Art and Music Libraries when I was an undergrad. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll get a job in the library to get myself this fee reduction. And I got a job as an information assistant working in retrospective cataloguing. So old stuff, but not old enough to be special collections. It was all stuff that was knocking around that was on the card catalog. And whilst I was studying, I had a series of information assistant roles Um, primarily in the collections area, so cataloguing, uh, acquisitions, so ordering, receipting books and journals. Uh, Then we had a bit of a restructure and I moved over to e-resources. So again, similarly, the ordering, the checking in, uh, those sorts of tasks. And just at the same time that I was thinking academia wasn't for me, um, which is a whole other conversation, um, I started getting some really interesting opportunities in the library. And we just had this big chain of secondments. I think someone had gone on maternity leave and it left a chain beneath them to backfill. So I was a e-resources specialist for a year. So very technical role, back end of the link resolver, e-resource management, uh, working out quite technical problems and, and issues. Then I was uh, effectively a subject librarian for three years. Uh, then I Very briefly went back to information assistant for a month. Then I was uh, e-resources assistant team leader. So lots of roles, lots of opportunities, different bits of the business. But I knew at the end of it, I had to go back to my old information assistant job. And I'd I'd kind of grown beyond it at that point. So I was applying for various bits at University of Birmingham. I applied for a study skills job, something in the academic practice team, Um, and my my director there Diane Jay sort of actually took me aside and sort of said well you know what what are you doing what are you what are you actually looking to to move into what's your next uh move and i was kind of saying well you know you know i just i want a job that challenges me that builds on what i've done so far and she really encouraged me to think about the kinds of roles i really wanted next and she encouraged me to think beyond the university of birmingham um which was probably a very good thing because i would have been institutionalized otherwise so I applied to The Hive in 2013 uh, as a team leader for academic services. And that was that was a really big change for me. It was a step up into leadership. It was a change away from my first institution. And that, that move was absolutely transformational for me, um, partly because I started to realize I could do this thing called leadership, which I'd never considered before, and partly um, the change in the type of institution I was working at. You know, I studied and worked at a red brick previously, and probably when I went there as an 18 year old, I was probably a bit of a snob. Um, but I realised moving to Worcester that my heart really lies in, you know, post 92s, teaching focused institutions, put the student at the heart of the experience. Um, and with Worcester in particular, and I see the same here at BCE the sort of public and community engagement angle you know it's not the ivory towers of academia separate from the community actually it's about being in the heart of the community and then in about 2016 2017 I went on the Aurora course so that's the uh, women's uh, leadership in higher education course and that was another light bulb moment for me because although I was established at the Hive in Worcester I was kind of going well I don't know what I want to do next. Do I want more leadership roles? I'm, I'm not sure. And I did Aurora and it made me realize that actually, I, I probably can take on these higher roles. And if I can do it, I probably should do it. You know, especially considering that our sector has got some interesting gender imbalance, you know, with we're, we're 75% female until you get into senior leadership. And then that starts to change. Um, So so I started to think, yeah, okay, you know, I can do this. And I stayed at the Hive for a little longer. Uh, My job changed to head of library academic engagement, which included deputising for our director. Uh, And then, you know, in the last couple of years I I was there, I was applying for director level roles. And I moved to the University of Gloucestershire in 2022 as head of libraries. Uh, Again, like Worcester, quite a small university focused on the student experience. And I had intended to stay there. Um, but this role at BCU came up at the end of last year and, and it's somewhere I really wanted to work. Um, BCU kind of prides itself on being the university for Birmingham. It's about delivering transformational education and change in the area. and as you know, Josh, I'm a very proud Brummy um, and actually you know I wanted to be in the university that serves my city. So it started here in March uh, and yeah, really loving it.
1: That's really wonderful to hear. And I I don't know a better ambassador for the city of Birmingham than you. (laughs) Uh, I I also really relate to the use of that phrase, the accidental librarian. (laughs) Uh, I recognise that. But also, you know, in listening to your response, what I really heard come through was that sense of almost, you know, a vocation, a calling, Mm -hmm. finding that sense of purpose um, and it was really interesting just hearing what you had to say around the role of public and community engagement too. I, I wonder, Sarah, if you can just say a little bit more about the role that libraries have in that space and perhaps some of the, the joys or challenges you've encountered along the way when it comes to engaging with members of our communities.
0: Yeah, that's oh, that's such a good question, Josh. Um, I, I will draw a lot of my, my experience from working at the Hive because we're starting to do this piece here at BCU, but we're, we're not there yet. We're at the start of a journey. And obviously the Hive itself is, is really unique. There, there isn't another library like it. It's, it's fully integrated public and university library. Uh, there are others who do sort of similar things as the Forum in uh, Southend and you know a couple of others that, that do similar things, but nothing quite like it. Um, and I think what's really interesting about it is the fact that it's designed to bring value to both partners. And people will often ask, or used to ask me when I was there, they'd be like, Well, I can see what the value is to the public because they have now have access to the academic resources, they have access to a library building that is open um, much more than a, a normal public library would be but what's what's seriously sarah what's the value to the university and actually it brings an extraordinary amount of value to the university so you've got students uh, working alongside um, members of the public you know students from families who perhaps wouldn't have considered going to university but they're sitting there next to a university student that opens up opportunity in a really um, subtle way that you can't count you can't quantify but it does open people's eyes to what academia is. Um, It opens up all sorts of other opportunities. So we used to do a lot of work around students putting their learnt skills into practice using the community that was the hive. So we'd have things like uh, education students working in the children's library. You would have um, physiotherapy, occupational uh, health students giving out holistic health advice at sort of key study times of the year. So, you know, stuff about nutrition and staying hydrated and posture, good study habits, but that are drawn from their professional practice. Um, I know one of the things that's happened since I left is uh, around extending the higher level Um, kind of information skills supports that uh, academic librarians might have, extending that out into the community, particularly reaching out to to sixth form students, to GCSE students. And again, that's your next population who are gonna come into the university. Um, And like many uh, universities, it's an anchor institution. So a lot of the population are coming from that area. Um, There's loads of stuff. Uh, It's it's, uh, an opportunity. It's a shop window for the university there were exhibitions, there were lectures, there were, you know, images of research would be in there with an opportunity for the public to vote on their favourites. So many opportunities to work collaboratively and to to create aspiration um, and opportunity for for both partners.
1: Such a fortifying description. I often think of universities as fundamentally being a social undertaking for the social good. Mm. And the way you've articulated the connection between the curriculum and community engagement and impact, that sense that as universities, part of our role is around creating globally aware, prepared citizens who can make a positive difference in the world. uh, It's so lovely to hear. It really is. So you have always been a role model for me uh, (laughs) as a library leader. And you might recall way back when, in 2016, you presented at the UKSG Forum, now at that time, I was a customer services assistant. It was a role that I really loved, but I was like you in your description of your career journey. I was was thinking about considering future roles and whether I would need to complete uh, an additional masters in librarianship and information science. And I was really inspired, but also reassured by the balanced perspective that you presented at UKSG Forum. Then you really helped me. So I wonder whether you could say just a little bit more for people who may be from non-traditional LIS backgrounds who might be thinking about their next steps in our sector.
0: Can I can I start by saying, Josh, I remember you tweeting something along those lines um, about the impact of that session some, some years later. And at the time, I was absolutely blown away by it because I read what you'd written and I just thought, well, this is someone I, I really respect, someone who is incredibly valuable to our sector um, and the role that they play in it and and in some way I've played a small part in that career trajectory and I was just mind-blowing to me so it's part of the reason I really wanted to have this conversation today because you just never know who's going to be listening and who might take heart from something you've said and just might support or influence someone on their journey so I wanted to say that before I kind of uh give it out any kind of other words of wisdom that might help people from that that non-traditional background, as you've said. I think, like I said, I I fell into this by accident, but I really think the main thing is to to not feel constrained by that traditional route. You know, look at the experience you've got. And how it can translate into the jobs that are on offer in in the LIS market. So, I've known, for example, absolutely amazing library managers who've come from hospitality and retail backgrounds. You know, strong customer service ethos. Um, people like me with academic or teaching experience, kind of moving into liaison or engagement roles. You know, it's that sort of translation across from a different sphere. We can teach people library stuff on the job. But it's the, the capabilities and the, the extra contextual knowledge, I think, that's, that's really valuable. I think in, in practical terms, though, um, what I always advise people to do is to, to get job descriptions from jobs that you want. Even if you're not ready to apply now, get those job descriptions. Have a look what's on that person's spec. What can you evidence now? Um, and where do you need development? What bits can't you quite evidence yet? And then ask for help. In that development. So, you know, ask your managers, ask your peers, ask the networks that are available. So, are there projects you could join either in your department or across your institution? Um, you know, approach people in the sector, you know, find yourself a mentor or a buddy. Sconnell have a mentoring scheme. Um, I, I think a lot of the regional library collabs have a buddy. Certainly, if you're in the Mercian, we have a buddying scheme. You know, ask to shadow elsewhere in a department, find out more. Go to conferences, join groups, uh, you know, get involved with UKSG, for example. Build those networks. Because as a recruiting manager, that, I'm really interested in all of that stuff. You know, you're showing a passion for the work more broadly. You're showing a curiosity and, and a willingness to learn. And, and that stuff is, is just so, so valuable. And, and as I always say when I have these conversations, I'm absolutely not devaluing the library degree. That is just one route into the sector. And there are others. And there is, again, you know, looking at, we've talked about the gender imbalance in our sector. We have a a terrible uh, ethnicity imbalance uh, in our sector. And actually that library qualification could be a barrier for some people. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily a gendered or a race thing, but it is a barrier because there is a financial burden to it. So it is one route in, it is not the only route.
1: As always, such a balanced and nuanced perspective um and you really did help me so it's a nice opportunity <laughs> for this to say to say thank you um so you've, you've, you've clearly gained a lot of experience both as an applicant and as a hiring manager and i think you provided some words of wisdom for our listeners there um but i wonder whether you might have any other tips around applications
0: i would probably preface this with saying uh, I actually weirdly love recruiting I find it just fascinating Uh, but I do appreciate the the burden that there is on on the people who are actually going through the process from the other end so in terms of applications I think there is again there's going to be a gendered element to my advice here you might have noticed I have a feminist soapbox and I am not afraid to get on it um, but there is evidence out there that men, for example, will look at a job description or a person's spec and think, well, I can do eight out of the 10 things that are listed here. So I'll go for it. Whereas women tend more to say, I can't do two out of those 10 things. So I won't. And I think the main application tip I will give to people is, you know, don't rule yourself out early on. You don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what the candidate pool looks like, because that's always a big thing. You know, as they say, got to be in it to win it. And, you know, for example, when I went for my my role at the Hive, I did not have leadership experience at that point. I had some basic supervisory experience allocating work day to day, but not that full management. And I was really upfront about that at interview. I sort of said, well, I've got everything else you're looking for. This is the next development piece for me. Yes, I know I'm going to need some support, but this is where I'm heading, you know, and that worked. You can do that. That's okay. Um, I think the other advice I'd give about applications would be, you know, be really clear when you're applying. You know, what we are looking for is evidence of how you meet the person spec. Um, this does rely on the job description and the person spec being well written. And I know we've got some work to do here at BCU. But broadly, we're looking to see you evidence those, those capabilities and behaviours that we've outlined. So, you know, if we're asking for good communication skills, tell me that you meet that criteria and provide evidence of things that you have done that help you meet that. Just be crystal clear. We're marking on a, you know, normally a zero to three scale of doesn't meet expectations through to exceeds. You want those threes. And then look really, really carefully at the job description are they really asking for a library qualification or are they saying library qualification or experience? Because I've seen examples of people counting themselves out because they've made an assumption. I've had someone say to me, well, I couldn't apply for that job in your team because it said it needed a library qualification. And I've said, no, it said qualification or. So, Always read that carefully. And if you're not sure about anything, you can email the recruiting manager. It's why we put our names on those adverts. We welcome those questions and those points of clarification.
1: Sarah, there's, there's, there's a really strong body of literature that substantiates some of the points you've made. Around the gender differences in terms of how we approach mm-hmm. applications. I'm, I'm also conscious that the same is true for other marginalized and minoritized applicants. Mm-hmm. And I guess I really just want to amplify one of the key things that you're saying there, which is do not rule yourself out. You know, it's really important that you recognize the ways in which your skills and experience translate for this role, you've absolutely got to take that leap of faith. So I really just want to emphasize that what you said is so fundamentally important in terms of how we shift the dial on representation within the sector. So thank you for making those points. Um, I wonder though, Sarah, if in addition to the application tips, you've got any interview tips or perhaps regrets?
0: I should say, whilst I love interviewing, I hate being interviewed. Um, I, I don't think it's my natural um, forte. And I was actually convinced, both with my current job and my Worcester one, that I absolutely hadn't got it. No way. So kind of shows what I know, really. Um, but having said that, I think the best things I've learned about interviewing have, since, have been since I started recruiting other people. So I think the the one thing I would urge everyone to remember when you're going into an interview is we are genuinely not looking to catch you out. You know, we really want you to walk through the door and to be that amazing person that we need. We're not trying to catch you out. We're just trying to find out more about you. And I know it's very hard to overcome those nerves, but that, that really is what's going on. I think don't be afraid to take a few notes or some flashcards in with you. You know, that just shows preparation obviously, we don't want you reading out answers verbatim. And um, but it's it's a nice safety blanket. And I often find if I've got notes in front of me, um, whether in an interview, or in a presentation or a panel or what have you, I, I actually don't need them, because just simply because I know I've got the security that they are there. It's, it's a weird psychological thing, but I think it's helpful. Um, and I would also say, try and have a good question at the end of the interview, you know, we're I've never worked anywhere where the recruiting panel is marking those. So it it doesn't make a difference in that respect. But there is a world of difference between your question to the panel being, oh, do you have flexi time here to something like, well, actually, what do you think the biggest challenge for this role is? Or, you know, what would success look like in this role in 12 months time? You know, those are that's an opportunity for you to find out more about the role. You know, once you're offered the job, you can ask all that other stuff about annual leave and flexi and and pensions and what have you. And then the final thing I would say is stick at it. Applying for jobs is, it's hard work, it is emotional and psychological labour and you might have to keep going. Um, It took me, I think, three goes to get my first subject librarian job, uh, probably because I wasn't that great at interviewing at that point. And I think I applied for about six director level jobs. And I mostly wasn't even getting through to the interview at that point, um, despite getting good feedback. And that was because of the candidate pool. There were just simply too many people with more experience than me. So it didn't say anything about me as a candidate or me as my my capabilities. It was actually who else is applying at this time. So it can be hard work, it can be demoralizing, but hang in there um, and also just Get someone to read your application before you put it in. That's probably my final tip.
1: And I've been right there with you. you know, it's, mm. it, it's really important that if there's a rejection, that rejection isn't the end of the road. You've got to stay the course and, and keep going. Um, so thank you for that. Something else I was thinking about during our conversation, Sarah, was the role that teamwork plays for mm. you as a leader. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about that. What does teamwork and collaboration look like? You touched on it, I think, at the mm. very outset. Um, but it'd be interesting to explore that a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't do what I do without a great team behind me. Um, and I should say, I've got a, I have got—I do have a great team here at BCU. So, yes, as the director, you're kind of at the front. You're the face of the department within the university, Um, especially with executive and senior colleagues yes you're the face within the sector but I can't do any of that without all the people behind me getting on with the business of running the library and all of the services that that entails so for me I think teamwork is really about building a culture in my department of transparency of of trust of equity and equality um it's about people coming to work and feeling valued for what they do and empowered to make positive change for our students. So I've kind of alluded to this already, but I, I always make sure that I do the little things like making sure I'm offering praise and acknowledging great work, so both directly to the individuals, the people who've done it, but also, you know, if something's gone up to executive and it's like, oh, well done, Sarah, on the library and learning resources, blah, 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 to be able to say, oh, yeah, no, nothing to do with me. That was, you know, you know zoe bob and jane who've done it you know making sure that that is that is uh people's individual contributions are recognized and acknowledged the flip side of that of course is also making sure that issues are addressed because nothing damages team morale more than you know negative behaviors or or poor performance or anything like that so it's making sure those things are done um and and for me also there's something just about being really uh, as visible as i can be uh in the department so just making sure I'm, I'm in i'm around i talk to people i see people there's there's a lot about that that builds builds trust builds relationships and helps with that whole kind of teamwork uh, piece
1: it's such a critical component of organizational effectiveness that collaboration and teamwork piece and that came through really strongly from your response i am just mine of the reality that, that when we recruit we're often assessing individual contributions and yet as you've articulated so much of our work relies on that teamwork so what advice would you have for candidates who might want to address and discuss team or collaboration during their application or interview
0: Yeah, it's a great question because I think it's somewhere where we do see people fall down a little bit in their applications Uh, because, it's you know, it it is quite hard to to, to do and to pick apart um, what a team has done. And I think particularly because librarians are really nice and we want to acknowledge the work of others and we don't want to sort of say, uh, oh, you know, I did that when it was the work of a team. But when you're going through an application or an interview process, you do have to be able to articulate your contribution so I think my advice is you have to think what is in the work that the team has achieved what have you personally done so what was your role in that piece of teamwork and how did it contribute to success so you'll often see people saying oh you know we as a group worked on such and such project and as a result we delivered that's nice but you could have sat back and done nothing as part of that group so did you take a lead on organizing your colleagues so that the meetings always happen and made sure that the minutes were were done did you take a lead on report writing or interviewing or gathering and analyzing data or communicating with stakeholders what was the specific thing that you did and what and what was your role in it so did you lead it did you instigate it um, were you one of a group doing something with it you know being able to really articulate that and it's not taking um taking credit for other people's work. It's saying, we did this great thing and my contribution to it was X.
1: Thank you, Sarah. I've got one last question for you today. Um, Spoiler alert, it's a big one. (laughs) What's the best, and I'm going to hold you to this, just one single thing. What's Mm. the best thing about working in the academic library information and knowledge sector?
0: Ah, big question, but an easy one to answer. Um, hands down, it's the community. Uh, you know, librarians just share everything willingly and freely. You know, you, if you need a policy, a job description, a structure, a sounding board, a mentor, whatever, there are so many people out there who are willing to help you and will always go above and beyond to do so. And it is a brilliant sector to work in.
1: It really is a joy. Um, And I just love in closing to reflect back to you that you absolutely embody uh, the things that make our sector wonderful (laughs) in terms of that community, that collaboration and that connection. So thank you for being such a, a wonderful colleague and role model for so many in the sector, Sarah. And thank you so much for joining us to have this conversation today. It's been wonderful.
0: Thank you, Josh. I've really enjoyed it. Although I think I might actually be blushing off the back of that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> wonderful thank you so much sarah bye for
0: now cheers bye bye uksg exists to connect the sector and encourage the exchange of ideas it brings together the information community of librarians publishers intermediaries and technology vendors if you know someone whose career journey would make for an interesting episode please get in touch with uksg via twitter Please like and share our podcast to help us support those in our community who are just starting their journey. And subscribe to the channel to keep up with future episodes.